The Get This Podcast is brought to you by ProPhotoGo.com, professional photography on demand. Use coupon code GETTHIS to get 10% off your professional photo session. So whether you need new headshots or you have a big event coming up, an engagement, a wedding, you name it, or let's say you just want new photos so you can look snazzy on social media, ProPhotoGo is professional photography on demand. Use coupon code GETTHIS and get 10% off. Go to ProPhotoGo.com. The Get This Podcast is also brought to you by the best WordPress hosting available, WP Engine. People who know me know I build enterprise-level WordPress websites that are seen by millions of people a year, and I host all of my websites with WP Engine. They're a company based in Austin, Texas. They have outstanding support, and I personally couldn't recommend them more. If you go to getthispodcast.com, Look for the WP Engine link and get 20% off your first year of exceptional, fast, secure WordPress hosting at WP Engine. Again, go to getthispodcast.com and look for the WP Engine link for 20% off. everybody, this is Kevin Kautzman coming to you from New York City, and this is Get This, the podcast about things people love. Welcome. I'm joined by my friend, Vanessa Wolf. Say hi, Vanessa. Hi there. <laughs> and Vanessa is a writer, creative person here in New York City, and uh, she wants to share something uh, with me, with us, today, that I'm a little, I don't want to say I'm cagey about it, I'm just... I, <laughs> First, I have to say, it's February 25th, 2019, and uh, welcome to Get This, the podcast about things people love, like I said. This is going to be a good one. I'm really excited. I am going to confess to never having become a Harry Potter person. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) But I am ready to be converted. I think I'm primed. Of all the people in this zip code... You know, in my rough demographic, my age, uh, all the rest of it, I'm I'm the guy. So I'm excited uh, to discuss what it is you wanted to share. So, oh, wow. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How have you been? I'm good. Really good. Uh-huh. And what have you been up to? I know you were you were living in New York City, but then you moved to Portland for a minute, and then you're back. Yeah. So I ventured out to the West Coast. West Coast, best coast. <laughs> and, um, and then you came back. So. I wanted to see some trees for a while so and breathe some fresh air, some fresh mountain air. Um, so I went out to Portland for a handful of months and I was doing some sales uh, work there. And um, 
Yeah, I decided it's not for me. I I am not a salesperson. I uh, you saw the tr- the trees, <laughs> the wind moving through the pines, you know, and it was time to come back to New York City. Exactly. I had my fix. I had my fix of nature. No, no, I really love nature, but there's something about New York City that I can't let go yet. Mm. So I had to come back. I'm like I have my friends here. I have Kevin here. I oh, that's, that's too much. That's too much. I'll cut that out. Don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, pals. I couldn't, um, I couldn't let New York go yet. Um, there's just so much here and, uh, so much culture and so much going on here. And I want to be a writer and I am a writer and in Portland, it's very hard to be a writer when, you don't have that industry built there. You don't have the community there. Perhaps there's like a small community there, but in New York, you just have so many more people, much bigger community, much more access to resources, very different. Yeah, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty common uh, issue depending on, on where you move. I'm sure there are a lot of great uh, people in, obviously there are a lot of great people in Portland. Yeah, but, amazing people. <laughs> but here in New York, it's that case where you kind of have to, you almost have to avoid those connections. I mean, as soon as you open your mouth at a bar, or a coffee shop, you're somebody's work. You know, it, it, somebody's working on something. And once you start talking, so exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, if you're an extrovert, it's actually kind of a battle to stay home sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I've never been to Portland. I've heard nothing but good things, though. People say it's a, a lot of fun. Portland's awesome. There are a lot of awesome people there. And a lot of good personalities, a lot of, it's very slow paced for sure. It's much different city than New York. I definitely had to slow down when I was there. Just even my walking pace alone, I had to, you know, just catch myself moving much faster than everybody else. And I'm just like, okay, I am in a different city. I need to adapt. I had the, I had the opposite problem recently. I was in Costa Rica for a week, which is maybe a bit of a, like a brag, but whatever. I was there and I totally chilled out and came back to New York and we love it, live up in the Heights. We're by Dykeman. And I think you're you're originally, you're from here, correct? Yeah, I'm from Inwood. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're from the Heights. And I've been going to the gym and I've been at the, the beach for a week and I go to the gym and I do my squats and my lifts and all this and I leave and I've got the light, I've got the crosswalk and I'm walking kind of at a beach pace, but also kind of like a guy who just did a, a workout and I'm getting, they're honking, they're flipping me off. They want me to be walking that much faster. Tourists. So they can, yeah, so they can make the left turn and it's like, dude, I'm wiped out. Cut me some slack. Uh, anyway, I feel you. So that's exactly how we treat people on time, at Times Square. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's all a matter of degrees, isn't it? What would you say? Have you spent any time in LA? No, I haven't. I've been mm. to San Diego, so I've been to one of the more chill is that's cities. pretty chill too, huh? Very chill. Yeah. It's very slow paced. Right. Well, so, they're all stoned. Everybody's high. <laughs> yeah, all the time. It's just a bunch of surfers and uh, people who are into country music. And... Surf. <laughs> Well, and there's a big military component then. There's very, very big yeah, military. I don't yeah. know how high they are. <laughs> they can't be. Yeah, I, I, no I, way. I think they probably sneak some in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so Portland, you know, it was it was very, it was very good. To, to, it was very enlightening. You know, I I got to see a different town. I had to. I got to see people. Um, cashiers ask me like, "What are you doing today?" 
what are you doing this weekend? And it was very shocking. It was very different. Um, at first, you're like, why are you talking to me? I'm not used to this. You know, in New York, everyone's so cold. And, you know, you say hi to a cashier. She doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> but over there, everyone wants to talk to you. People in the elevator, people on your blog. It's, it's a city, but it feels like a very friendly suburb. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. I'd like to visit. Yeah. yeah. It's really worthwhile. I met I met a woman uh, on our zip lining thing that we did because I'm a basic bro. And, <laughs> you you got to go zip lining. Nah, yeah, you got to get the tourist stuff out of the way I the first time. Yeah, I didn't take any. We didn't get any pictures, so that was I felt okay. Uh, but she was from Portland, and they were a little rough around the edges. It was revealed she's a she's a waitress at a this restaurant, I guess, in Portland that's quite famous for having this steak. I don't know how many ounces it is, but if you eat it, you get it for free. Ooh. But it's the size of your head. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a place. She was very proud of this. I didn't get to go to that place, but <laughs> I went to a lot of niche places like that. that you, had like. Are you a vegetarian? Do you eat meat? I eat meat. You do eat meat. I am a meat right. lover. I've tried to be vegan in mm-hmm. the past when I worked mm-hmm. at a vegan restaurant here in New York, but mm-hmm. it didn't work out. <laughs> I was secretly a meat eater while I was working there, and it was really hard. Oh, damn. Well, you know, I I had the goal. Like, I want to be vegetarian. I want to be vegan. But, you know, the reality versus, you know, expectation is just, <laughs> you need, I, I need, I, I don't like tofu. You don't like tofu. I don't like tofu, and, ah, and it made me like feel tofu, weird, right? so. Yeah, I've never had uh, an experience with tofu where I really go, yeah. Yeah, tofu. Tofu. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Woo. I'm Mr. Tofu today. Here we go. That's cool. So you and so you came back to New York, and you are we settling back in to the city here. Yep. And tell me about this scene you shared with me from which Harry Potter movie is it? Harry Potter and um, the... and the Deathly Hallows. I ah. I forget if it's part one or part two. I, I do believe it's the last movie that they ever made um, for Harry Potter, but. Um, so basically, this scene was so exhilarating for me when I first watched it. So I hadn't seen it when it first came out years ago, like 10 years ago or more. And um, I binge watched all the Harry Potter movies. I had like this uh, period in fall 2017 where I was like binge watching a bunch of different uh, series like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, all all that good stuff. And I got to the last movie of Harry Potter and there's this scene where Snape dies and then he gives Harry his memories. He cries and into a vial and then Harry takes it to Dumbledore's office and he pours it into um, some memory <laughs> device. <laughs> he pours, pours it into Google. Pours it into Google. <laughs> Read this for me. Right. right. <laughs> um, and then he gets to see a completely different side that none of us had seen throughout the whole series. And, you know, I haven't read the book, so I'm not, I guess I'm not the most hardcore fan, <laughs> but I do love the movies a lot. And I read a couple of the books. And so when I saw this scene, I thought it was one of the best plot twists I've ever seen in my life. And the cinematography of it was just beautiful. Um, and that director, he's he's really good. Um, Do you know who directed it? I think it was um, somebody who's 
was quite famous. Yeah, I totally, I totally, we totally look forgot. I totally forgot his name. That's all right. We don't have to look it up right now. Yeah. We can find it. Yeah. What we want to avoid doing on this podcast is research. <laughs> our, okay, no research. <laughs> our generation. We do a lot of research. We could look it up at a, at a at a good point. But cool, uh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I was blown away by. I I think I cried a bit. Oh wow. Yeah. So. I suppose we should say there are spoilers here, but at this point, I I don't think it's uh, too salient. I think it. You gotta, no, if you, know. you if you like Harry Potter, you've yeah, seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frodo drops the ring into Mount Doom at the end, <laughs> folks. Yeah. <laughs> let's just accept we're a few years past this. Uh, I never got into Harry Potter, uh, and so I'm interested in your yeah your journey to get there. Because, again, this is the podcast about things people love. So something that moves you yeah. like that, I'm so yeah. interested in what, how it speaks to you. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when I when I first got into Harry Potter, I mean, it was actually the last couple of years. And when I was younger, I liked it, but I wasn't a super hardcore fan. Um, so I never even finished the series when, when it first came out. Um, I just thought it was... A, when you were reading it. Yeah, that and also, like, the, the movies themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't like there in the theater when it came out or anything. You you weren't camping. <laughs> I wasn't camping hat. <laughs> with my Muggle hat and yeah, and right. a wand. Let me guess, you had boyfriends. You were socializing. You were doing okay. Yeah, I all was right. I was doing I was all doing right. cooler things. I understand. Not really. Understand. Yeah, well, that's alright. <laughs> but um, so you know, so when I saw the scene, um, I was just blown away because, uh. Here we we have a character like Snape, who we think we have figured out from movie number one. You think he's a bad guy. He's always um, treating Harry and his friends like shit. And you're like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you such a terrible person? And you know, he's and Slytherin's so automatically a bad guy, right? He's the he's the headmaster of Slytherin, correct? Yeah. Yeah, right. he is, yeah. Even that phrase, headmaster of Slytherin, <laughs> it just doesn't sound. I don't like anything. About, I don't even like the preposition. Yeah. J- J.K. Rowling was really good at naming and, and world building. And she did a really good job with building him up in exactly how she wanted us to see him, you know, as this character that we thought we knew. And we thought we had him figured out, you know. It's just like any series that you love, you go into it and you have your favorites and you know who you love and you know who you hate. And he was a character to hate. Unless you were identified, unless you were a hardcore fan and you identified with Slytherin, <laughs> you, you hated you hated Snape. But then the scene comes out. Wait, so there there's a group yeah. of hardcore fans who identify with Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, so there are... So now you're piquing my interest. That sounds cool. Yeah, there are fandoms out there uh-huh. where people will take quizzes and... Oh no! And they want <laughs> what house are you in? Are you in Ravenclaw? Are you <laughs> in the ho- what house are you in? I actually I tested as well. I, I'm in I'm in Gryffindor. Oh, you're a Gryffindor. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. If we, this podcast is going to be brief. I don't know. I'm starting to feel like a Slytherin guy. Um, you know, I did one of those quizzes, but for Bojack. Oh. And I was Bojack, which people who know me will. <laughs> I, think, I think agree. Anyway, go on. I haven't, I haven't actually um, engaged in the BoJack Horseman. I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. steer you away from, from how, <laughs> you know, but yeah, check out BoJack. Um, I will, I will. You, you were saying. Um. So, so here we are. You know, we have this character that you either love or you hate. Mostly, people, most people hated him, 
and thought he was like the worst person ever for making Harry's life and difficult. And he always seemed shady. Just this dark, gloomy guy who is out to get you. And um, and so so here's a scene that puts him in a, in a completely different light, complete 180. And now I'm like, wow, I have these feelings now that I have to deal with. <laughs> like, I hated you for seven movies or, you know, for the majority of the time. And then now I'm like, shit, I kind of love you now. <laughs> I wow, have, like suddenly, like this yes. scene turns it all around. For yes. Me. Yeah. It wow. turned it out completely for me. Wow. And not everyone feels that way. I, I've read mixed, you know, reviews and a lot of people are like, no, he's still the bad guy because... You know, he loved Lily, but, you know, she, but he also treated her poorly at some point. And, and when she, um, married James, you know, he, he turned to the dark arts and Voldemort. Um, so he's not deserving of, of any recognition or, or love or anything. He's still a bad guy, but I don't see so it that way. So there's this whole soap operatic <laughs> yeah. drama. Drama. To, I love yeah. drama. <laughs> what was the... What, what was it about the... So you're specifically talking about the scene in the Deathly Hallows yeah. where Harry gets to see the memories of Snape. Yes. And what was it about the scene and the way it was handled that moved you so much? So the content itself, you know, so we have... The beginning was beautiful. Just we have Lily as a little girl and... And she's basically shunned by her sister, who we all hate because, you know, that's Harry's aunt who treats him like shit. So we automatically are like, wow, you automatically recognize who that is. So um, and then we have Snape kind of save her from her sister. And um, and then they build this lovely friendship and and um, basically all they had when they were kids was each other. In this muggle world, all they had was each other. Right, that's very <laughs> relatable. I I appreciated when I watched it the what like you were saying the cinematography. Yeah, it's clear we're clearly doing a dreamscape yes. kind of a scenario yes. and kind of a high European artistic style. It's it's you know it's not uh, the great you know it's not the greatest cinema that's ever been made, but it's really bringing an, an elevated style to something that's that probably deserves it. Exactly. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it was exactly. Fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I love British um, film and TV in general. Like, I, I think it's pretty awesome. And some of my favorite movies are, are British, like The King's Speech. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a, a, also a scene that I'm obsessed with uh, from The King's Speech, and it's the scene where um, the king does his final speech, mm-hmm. and that was my favorite scene for years. Yeah. And I think the Snape one took over. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay. So you said you you didn't, so you read the first few Harry Harry Potter novels and yeah. then didn't continue, continue reading, but then you binge, uh, binge watched the whole yeah, series. Yeah, the whole series in a matter of like a week. In a, you know, in a, yeah, in a row. I'm a good binger. Yeah, yeah, Put yeah. Put them on resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A strong binging person, indeed. And then... Uh, this scene really particularly strikes you. Uh, I mean, but are you a reader? You, do, you must. I mean, you're a writer, so you enjoy yeah. reading. No, I do yeah. enjoy reading a yeah. lot. Yeah. 
What are you reading now? Are you reading anything? Right now, I'm actually re- reading a few things. So mm-hmm. I'm reading C.S. Lewis. Oh, wow. Which... So I love C.S. Lewis. And yeah, recently too. I got into his, uh, his uh, theology books. So right now I'm reading a book called Miracles. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm also reading Guardians on the Moon, which is a fantasy book by uh, Steven Erickson, I believe. Are you one of these people who reads more than one book at once? Yes. <laughs> Recently, oh, I've become uh, that person. <laughs> oh, jeez. Why? Yikes. I don't know. Well, I guess I kind of do that too, but... Uh, I can read them both in one day. I mean, Really? Yeah. No, like in yeah. the same day. Yeah. yeah, if you're going really hard. Yeah. What is this Miracles book by uh, Lewis? It's a, it's a book of theology? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, C.S. Lewis was this really interesting person, as you guys may know. <laughs> he wrote um, The Chronicles of Narnia. And um, I haven't even read those books yet. I haven't, but I've actually been reading his theology books. Narnia, I believe Tolkien said to him to not publish. He said, (gasps) you're going to embarrass yourself, I think. That's the, that could be apocryphal. That could be BS, but they, I, they were friends. They They were were close friends. They were pals. I think they were frenemies. (laughs) At first, at first. So, so C.S. Lewis was um, an atheist for a while and, Tolkien was, um, I think he was Catholic, and they were always talking about theology. And C.S. Lewis was very into um, philosophy, philosophy, and and really interested in, in Christianity for a while, and really digging deep into it. Um, and you know, by his mid thirties, he decided, or early thirties, he decided he wanted to be. Uh, he he became a Christian, and then he wrote many theology books, and he's really prolific. Um, so I recently became a christian again <laughs> oh, oh yeah all right well, so that's, that's why good. i got into it yeah <laughs> that's cool all right what happened what happened in portland Ooh, oh my god <laughs> well portland um i've just kind of been really existentialist for a long time i i've been like an existential person for a long time since i was a kid but it's been really uh hitting me hard in the past like couple years yeah, so in Portland, you know, I just had kind of this moment where I started reaching back into something that I had explored previously, but not a lot. So I, I was Christian when I was a teenager, and then I gave it up when I went to college. <laughs> what, what, are your, what are your folks? I mean, how are you raised? Um, my mom is Catholic. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. or well, not she's Christian, but she was Catholic. Um, well, Catholics are Christian. Yeah, they're the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not all the same thing, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Part of the same, bigger. Right, the big uh, umbrella. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you had a falling away. Yes, and... for years and years. Okay. All right. That's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. W- w- was there one specific event? And did you see somebody walk uh, <laughs> on a, like, kegs of beer out in Portland? Kegs of... Uh, I'm, I'm being a little... Yeah. Bit, I'm well, you know, I had actually, you know, I, I have Christian friends that I met at Columbia and I had through the years talked to them and asked them questions and I was interested in, in certain times during my life where I was feeling the most existential um, and I would have conversations with them, you know, like, why do you, why do you believe in Jesus and why do, why do you follow Christianity and what does it do for you and you know, just all these different questions. And and um, at the time, when I talked to them, I took it, but I didn't do any much with that information. I just was interested in their perspectives. 
and I was collecting perspectives, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've collected yep. perspectives throughout college from people of all walks of life, atheists and agnostics and people, you know, just in general. And and um, through the years, you know, in, in my darkest moments, I've prayed. But then as soon as I feel better, I just give it up. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like the spirit of the practice to me. That doesn't right. Sound like I wasn't practicing. All right. All yeah. All right. I didn't identify as Christian for six years. Mm. When you say existentialist, when you say I feel, you know, I felt existentialist, what do you, what do you mean? So last year, um, for some reason, while I was in Portland, I started thinking about death a lot. And I have this kind of obsession and it hasn't gone away completely, but I'm just really interested in the topic of death. And... You know, it's something that it, it comes to us all. And so I was curious as to what different philosophies are out there about around that. Um, given that, you know, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, you know, I, I was very anxious at some point um, in the beginning of last year. And then that went away for a little bit. And then I came back in Portland um, while I was living there. And that's sort of what prompted me to explore my spirituality again something I had been wanting to do for years but was putting off because I I didn't really think I would ever find um anywhere I fit in or anywhere that really called to me you know I thought just be a good person and as best as you can and that's it that's all you can do (laughs) um just try to the golden rule so we can't escape Christianity completely. <laughs> the golden rule. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the golden rule is a pretty sound thing in as much as we're living in a society and we have to live amongst one another. So if nothing else, it's a very practical rule. Right. But without, I suppose, something like an organizing ethos mm-hmm. or even a metaphysical, what's the phrase, belief. Yeah. You're doing it to be practical. Yeah. And I don't know how far that finally carries us when you're confronting the yeah. horrifying maw of the grave. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not uh, very comforting. <laughs> uh, but then we have to be philosophically rigorous. Are mm-hmm. we, are we, you know, yes. what are we, are we looking for comfort from our faith? Right. I mean, exactly. So that's, that's yeah. actually interesting that you bring that up because. I wanted to make sure in in the fall when I was exploring this that I wasn't coming to it from a place of fear. I did not want, even though I felt fear, I didn't want to come back to it from a place of fear because I've done that in the past. And a lot of people do that. They're just afraid of something. And having a system in place kind of really gives them a lot of comfort, does does the thinking for them. But I do too much thinking on my own to to have any one system or any one person or any one institution tell me what to think and feel. You know, it's just a path, you know, a personal path I'm taking now. And it feels like the right thing to do for myself. And I I can't explain it at this moment. but I respect it. (laughs) For for every person I meet who says that, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a renewed Christian, I meet plenty of nothings yeah and that's fine nothing Mm -hmm. is also fine 
Yeah. So in New York in 2019, a young person, I think it's admirable. So it's at least you're thinking, at least, you know, you're engaged in some sort of grander yes. yeah, thinking. Yes. What I've always understood around, and you're, at, you're actually reading something of mm-hmm. merit when you're reading C.S. Lewis. Oh, There's yes. so much. Have you, have you read? Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. Have you read the Screwtape Letters? Not yet. I, I think I have it, yeah. Ah, you have I, to read that. That's yeah, wonderful. It's on my list. Yeah, that's the sort of um, Cartesian uh, concept. Like the devil is is testing... It's really actually mm-hmm. quite funny. It's very yeah, witty. yeah, and it, it's relatable, especially now. Every time I get on Twitter, I feel like it's the screw tape letters. But, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> I stay off social media. Yeah, well, good for you. Currently for off. You. Yeah, good. <laughs> what about um? What about Thomas Kempis? Have you read The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis? No, not yet. That's another one I, I would recommend. Yeah, I'm gonna that put on my list. Very popular. I think in the I think in the 16th century. Uh, and it's a, this almost like this book of meditation that this uh, this man wrote in Europe. I think he was maybe he was. There were no Germans then, but like German speaking, I think I, I I'm showing my. It's been a yeah. while since I looked at it, but it's lovely. Really, it was. It's a classic. Uh, and he's if, on my list too. Yeah, there you go. Thomas <laughs> Campus. There you go. Um, yeah, wonderful. So yeah, I've been reading. I read uh, C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity*. Um, and then recently I've been reading Miracles. And what I like about him is that he's a thinker like me. Like I find that, you know, we have similar, uh, thinking styles, like philosophies and ways of, of approaching questions. And yeah, I just, for now, I would say that I really do agree with, and I, I, I can still question what he's talking about. Um, but he, he's really good at questioning christianity and a lot of things outside of that so he doesn't ignore the hard questions that um some christians may ignore you know because they don't want to deal with it he takes them head on and um he even says something interesting that you you kind of mentioned earlier like there are people who are nothings and that's fine and he talks about that in, in, in a really interesting way he says that there are people out there who are not followers of Christ, not followers of anything, but they're actually closer to being more like Jesus than any, anybody else. You can be wildly <laughs> iconoclastic and not believe in some doctrinal yeah. order, but uh, but almost certainly do more good in the world. Exactly. And that's, I mean, he was wrestling with the the modern world. And with the fallout mm-hmm. from World War One. Oh yeah. <laughs> when was he? When was he doing the bulk of his writing? I think it was after World War Two. Yeah. Was he sort of like a like a mid like a? It was around that time. He yeah. Was, I think he was writing during that time, and mm-hmm. Mere Christianity was actually um, some radio episodes that he did. Um, it was actually directed mostly at soldiers and people um, during that wartime, and and he was like really trying to tackle this really hard question for people that are facing imminent death and war (laughs) yeah Yeah, fun they they say no atheists in foxholes and so our (laughs) recent descent into not not descent our recent uh journey uh, culturally into this kind of postmodernism is a sign of the success of our culture and there's an irony in that because the culture has succeeded because we had the culture was predicated on a set of rules. Yes, and it's not. I'm not here to to champion Western culture. 
Yeah. And yet here we sit in this, uh, you know, nicely appointed little studio in Manhattan, you know, at <laughs> yeah. living like kings, like princes. We are. Yeah, Think about that all the time. Ago. Yeah, incredible. And, <laughs> and, and even the even the lowest among us here in New York are are better off than uh, people who are doing pretty well a hundred years ago. And it's yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's crazy, right? And crazy amount of growth that right. We've had. So now we just sort of we're we get to indulge our like ah, there's no God, but here's Netflix. <laughs> 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 you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's, there's pretty much yeah the existential view too you know existentialism is such an interesting philosophy right. in that it's about pairing down to the absolute seed the core the seed in the core of 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 being mm-hmm. the last choice you have which is sort of your your ability to end it yes which is extremely when you say it, it's extremely dark, and it's not. It's really dark. When you're a teenager, and yeah. you, you know you buy your first beret and your first turtleneck, it's all very chic, <laughs> right? And then you, as you mature, you sort of go, "Wow, this is extremely. This is very intense." Um, very, very intense. I love the the stranger. I, re- I tend to read that every couple of years. You know that from Camus, that book. Oh wow, that's a good one. Yeah, it's on my list too. I have, I have a that. long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this isn't the you know. I have uh, more books than I can read right no, now. Oh, it's just so good. Just this idea that we're we're, we're strangers even to ourselves is such a oh, it's such a we are right. It's just strangers to that... ourselves. I actually read a book that's called Strangers to Ourselves. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was about um, the unconscious mind. Yeah. And um, well, that's it. A bunch of babble, but just kidding. It was not. It was great. Who who, um, who wrote it? Do you bl- remember? Blanking out right now. Oh, we could we could look it up. We're not going to do any research during this podcast. Yeah, it was one of the books assigned in my sociology class, which uh, was also very uh, existential time for me. I think Columbia made me very existential, <laughs> and you know, I took a lot of uh, philosophy courses um, that I was trying to satisfy these feelings, you know, and, and explore them and try to understand a little more about where do our ideas come from where do our sense of self and and uh our identity in today's society like where, do, where does all that come from you know what does it mean to you now to be a christian oh it's 2019 you're in new york city <laughs> you're up in washington heights and i don't expect some some easy answer to that it's right. it's an interesting thing to say it is an interesting thing to say because I never thought I would say those things again. I was very divorced from it, and um, it's very different coming to it as a grown woman. I'm still 20, 25, maybe 26, and last time I um, explored this and and really went to church and all that, I was like 17. So it was, it was a long time, and I kind of shunned that community. I was like, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't believe in the people that attend church. I don't believe in any of that. Um, I just want to love people. And I still feel that way. I still want to love people. <laughs> that's my. That's still my religion, really. <laughs> Loving people. You can do a lot worse than that. It's <laughs> a, a guiding star. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a little strange to say to people that I've been I've known for years and years. But I really I'm amazed by how open people are to it and how accepting and supportive, you know, because sometimes it can feel like, 
um, people that call themselves Christians in, in America can be really ostracizing at least the loud ones, you know, that come, that you read articles about, like, you know, with Make America Great Again hats and, you know, the religion of republicanism <laughs> that uh, is is coming about. Um, and... Well, they used to have more power than they even have presently. They were the authority uh, in the 90s. In the 80s and the 90s, they were the censors. They were the ones telling people what they could say and couldn't say. And then they paired yeah. with the neoconservatives and drove us into two losing wars yeah. and lost the population, uh, lost the lost the, their popularity. And so now they've been <laughs> relegated to the fringes of society. Ironically, or not ironically, but sadly, I guess... It's the thing that you're saying. Christianity then gets paired with them. Yes. And of course, it's gonna, it continues to exist in the culture. Yes. Uh, these, these immigrants uh, coming in from uh, Central and, and South America are not card-carrying atheists from Columbia University. No, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not. Catholics. And the, so no, it's going to continue yeah. to be, it's interesting. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to be a, a part of the culture. It is, and I, I find it really strange, you know, that that's part of a big part of why I think I turned away from it when I was in college, is I saw all the love that people were giving me in college, and they didn't have any religion, and and yet, you know, the people in the public eye, or at least the narratives we get through media, um, are of quite hateful people <laughs> who are not very accepting you, you mean of the of the, the even right yes exactly the evangelical yeah, a, christians yeah yeah that's such a shame i mean it's yeah. they're well the media is is chasing i don't mean writ large but yeah. there's a significant chunk of it that, that's chasing clicks and yeah. outrage and divisiveness and all the rest and there's that quiet gentle brand of christianity right that isn't very good clickbait no <laughs> and now there's a lot of violence that we see all the time on the in the media and that's what gets portrayed you know like how can christians who claim to love and be kind and accepting and follow jesus in his ways then turn around and shun people and want to take away right. their rights and of course want to uh, shun them from a better life. Well, there's so many people who identify as Christian. There's bound right. to be, it's a bell <laughs> and there's bound to be people on. It's similar to Islam. Right. There's exactly. The, yeah. The middle ground. And then there's the fringes and, um, and there's minority. Yeah. How can you, how can you call yourself a Christian and watch that Harry Pot Potter devil tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Jacob Allen is Christian. Oh, is <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> I I don't really think there's anything wrong with watching Harry Potter. Um, I, for the record, neither do I. I've, I've got my tarot <laughs> cards here. I'm, gonna, I'm getting a Ouija board any day now. I'm yeah. I'm summoning demons. I may need to call you. We might have to start podcasting like monthly. You come with some holy water. All right, let's do it. <laughs> save, me, save me for myself. So first of all, you know who I am as a person hasn't really changed in terms of how accepting i am of other people's work and how 
how much I love film and writing. I I mean, I'm going to read what I want to read. It doesn't matter what it is. What? <laughs> I'm I, like, yeah, right. I mean, my question was a bit of a... <laughs> whatever i was being uh i was being uh, cheeky but oh no they, no well there is yeah. people there are people out there who, they freak out they're like yeah. purists. they're puritanical yeah. about it so um, harry potter actually got banned in a lot of schools a while back um witchcraft devilry yeah Ugh. when it first came out in the 90s and that's early the, 2000s that's the <laughs> best fucking thing that can happen to your book is it gets banned. It banned oh yeah oh my god i want now she's the billionaire this, <laughs> ban this podcast Please. Please ban it. Ban it. Yeah, take it off uh, iTunes. Absolutely. Yeah, ridiculous. How do you... And of course you don't... There's a there's a supreme irony in, the, in that. You don't get the literary tradition out of which Harry Potter sprang without the background of the Judeo-Christian West and yeah. the Bible. You have these motifs that are being repeated. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is, has... Same. Yeah, and this mixture of paganism and yeah, uh, and uh, Christian motif that uh, yeah, inter- interweave exactly, and that's our culture, and that this is something mm-hmm. we should celebrate and enjoy exactly. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, and I fully support fantasy writers and <laughs> filmmakers for the record. <laughs> so you're not a kook. That's good. Hey, kook. and if you're a kook out there, go be a kook. Do you? <laughs> Do you? Just don't make me. Do you? That came out weird. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, just, just don't, don't force me. Just don't force me to be more like you. <laughs> to do you? That's all. Um, so okay. So and you're also a writer. And are you? Do you have anything? Uh, anything you're you're bopping around? In your yeah, head right now? I'm yeah. actually writing a fantasy series right now. Well, one book. I don't know if it's gonna be a series yet, but that's um, cool. Oh, good for you. Yeah. So I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's in the beginner stages, but I'm hoping to have a, a finished manuscript by the end of the year. Um, it's a novel, so I've never written a novel. I've, I've mostly written poetry in my life. Um, so this is a much longer project. <laughs> the focus that it requires to maintain <sighs> wow. a novel, and you have to go over it <clears throat> 12 times, 20 times, with an editor, and I just... Yeah. Oh, to remain that interested <laughs> that long... In, in one, I mean, under I understand it's a lot, and if you love it, you're gonna love it, and you're gonna give birth to it. I admire, yeah. I admire novelists so much. Yeah, I've certainly made attempts that I would describe now as abortive. <laughs> I have about as much uh, attention as it requires for a, for a full length play or a feature film, and, and barely that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, it started out as a screenplay idea, but oh, yeah? it did. But um, I decided that I, I wanted to write a lot more detail into it and um i just my ideas were were to the point where i I need a a novel to write that's cool and then i was thinking i could adapt it into a screenplay because i my ultimate goal is also to be a a filmmaker but Mm -hmm. that is a much more long-term goal (laughs) you know what uh novel was originally a screenplay was no country for old men and when uh when he adapted it to a novel and then it sold, and the Cohen brothers bought it. I think there was some talk saying this is going to be the easiest screenplay adaptation of all time because it's it reads like a like a screenplay. And of course, but then they they added their magical sauce and made it this incredible thing. 
Have you seen that? I Have haven't you? seen it yet, no. Oh, yeah. No Country is, is, for Old Men is so good. Oh, my God. Good. Is it a classic? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, absolutely. It's a classic. That was the year, I think it was 2007 or 2008, when that was up against There Will Be Blood. And <gasps> there I, Will Be Blood is one of my favorites. Yeah, there Will Be Love Blood it. is amazing. I saw the, uh, wow. There Will Be Blood in the cinema. Daniel Day-Lewis. I couldn't believe that uh, No Country for Old Men was a won the best, won best picture. Because I had seen No Country uh, on my on my um, uh, my TV, and then I rewatched it after it. Well, blah blah blah. But that was such a good year for for cinema. Just incredible. Amazing, Daniel Day Lewis. Can we talk about him? He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's the goat. Is he still acting? So apparently, he um, decided to quit acting for like the billionth time, and um, he's supposedly now retired. But uh-huh. we can only hope that he gets bored and comes back. He'll. Be, I think. I don't know. I. We'll see. He prepares a rule for years, so he could technically be retired for four years and then come back and crush it with something new. Oh, I hope so. The, the comeback. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm excited about the Irishman. Have you seen a, seen about this? The uh, it's the no. new Scorsese movie. Oh, he's a good dude. Yeah, it's got <laughs> Pacino, De Niro, Harvey Keitel. Someone else. Wow. Oh, and um, oh, his name's escaping me. The little guy. Uh, oh, wow. Yes. Danny DeVito? Not Danny DeVito. <laughs> I was going to say not Danny DeVito. The other little guy. But he's a total killer. He's uh, He was in Casino. Oh, it's going to be amazing, though. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. yeah um, Scorsese doesn't put anything out. That's can you talk about The dope. Godfather? I just saw The Godfather recently for the first time. You want to talk about The Godfather? Okay. The Godfather 1 and 2. Yeah, th- the third one doesn't exist. I haven't seen the third one yet, actually. Yeah. It was so depressing that I couldn't watch you, the third one. No, you, you don't You don't need to see the third one. And in fact, if you can spare your brain from having to see it, you're going to be <laughs> happier. You can, but I would encourage you to to research the history about how it got made and kind of botched. Wow. Um, Marlon, but, Marlon Brando, though. Wait, so let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. I like this wandering conversation where you talk about different stuff. So, okay, number one. Why, why, you know, you're, you know, you said you're 25, 26. Why, why, why are you seeing Godfather for the first time? Who, 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 who hurt you? Who hurt you? My friends and I, we were such nerds in high school. We watched The Godfather. We went to the, uh, the Goodwill store on Main Street and bought a bunch of suits and walked so, around the mall like a bunch of knuckleheads. 12 years old. So I have a confession. When I was in high school, I was really into horror. So I was, oh. I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> I just, just loved. You were cooler than I was. I loved horror. And that's what I watched. And I found it hilarious for some reason. It's not twist that I am. <laughs> well, and now, you're, now you've come back to Jesus. I uh, yeah, but <laughs> So let's talk about, yeah. So let's, let's talk about The Godfather. Let's talk about The Godfather Part 1. Did you watch them consecutive, like yes. right in a row? Yes. Okay. Probably like the next day I watched Godfather Two, and I I was in love. So you made a nice, you made a nice cannoli. <laughs> you oh, made a nice, wow. like, yeah, you yeah I made my pasta, pasta with, with, with some wine and, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. cigar. Yeah, incredible, <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah, the first one is so iconic. The the wedding sequence. Oh yeah. At the beginning, and they have the cameras. The FBI is taking pictures, and and they. Sonny comes out, smashes the cameras. Oh. The way the way character is revealed through action um, is so great in 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 those films. And they um, actually made me care for Al, Al Pacino's uh, character, which yeah. I was like, 
I don't know why I like this guy. <laughs> well, he's the Potterfamilia. He's the he's the he becomes the man. And we that's the that's the genius of that of those two films is that uh it's anybody who's vaguely paying attention it to life generally, but also to life in America has to have a nuanced multi-dimensional appreciation for this country. You can say America's yes. <laughs> a great America's a great country, but you can say it with a little bit of a wince. It doesn't have to be this uh, everything else is jingoism and bullshit. Yeah. Like there is an unhappy um uh dispossession to to life in this country. And we could list the a litany of very smart things that are pretty obvious that are, that yeah. are at the root of the the, like the original sin of this country, the pain of this country. And, yeah, we got uh, many pains. So many pains. <laughs> and, but that film just does something where it's just the American, it's the American dream, it's the American yep. myth. And when he shuts the door at the end of the first, it's the first one, right? When he yep. shuts the door on her. That was amazing. Doctor. <laughs> and who used whom? Was she using him for something? What was she getting out of him? What was he getting out of her? All of it, and yeah. the, and, the, and of course, there's so, it's so funny that you know, the whole family, the whole time, they're you know, I want to make us legit. I want to make us legitimate. I want to make us legitimate. And there's this subtext or this sort of motif that it's like, no, you are legitimate. You are, you are what this country is about. That's who. This is who we are. So let's have no illusions. Yeah, we're a bunch of mafias. We, we are. It's like, it's like uh, you know, it's a, it's a. It's a used car lot with a lot of guns. <laughs> oh, I mean, and I love yeah. this country, and I don't mean that again. It's like you, you, how you can have this nuanced look at it, and it can, you can appreciate it for its dark side and its pot. Otherwise, you're yeah, you have. Otherwise, to. you're a fool. You're a fool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love this country, and yeah, yeah. I just became a citizen last year, so. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, because your family is you're from Dominican Republic. You are right. Yes, but I I was uh, raised here in New York and. And so it was really awesome to finally have, you know, this piece of paper that said I'm an American citizen. You know, I already felt like that my whole life. I, I barely felt like I was a Dominican citizen, even though that, that's where I was born. Um, so, so, you know, you, to finally be recognized. So you were, you were born in DR. Where, yeah. Where in DR? In the in, capital. In Santa Santo Domingo. Domingo. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. you're a first generation immigrant. Yes, I am. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... So that's something also I, I identify with the movie as well, that immigrant struggle. Because even though it was, it was the early 1900s, it was still very relatable to immigrants today. It's shit don't <laughs> Shit don't <laughs> They change. come to New York, they struggle, they got to do shit they don't want to do. And, you know, and get their hands dirty. They got to get, get their hands dirt. dirty. Yeah, get some dirt. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they got to get their hands dirty. And yeah, so. Yeah. The second one, the uh, the great passage where De Niro plays the younger Godfather and the, oh, the, I loved the great it. procession, and he assassinates the older corrupt mob boss and becomes the the benefactor. Yeah, that was. It's I, I was it, rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, it's never been equaled in cinema. No, it's never been. Yeah. And um, the only part of The Godfather that I was like, why did you do this? I understand in a way, but why? Is when he killed his brother. When he killed, um, what was it, Sonny? Fredo. Fredo. <laughs> That's all it's Sonny. No, Sonny was the no, I've older seen brother. Right? I've only seen it 
30 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he killed Fredo, I was like, wow. Wait, I don't. I don't know if I can watch the third one. <laughs> the third one's the third one's rough just because of the. It's just it's it's, it's a little inadequate. I, I I should watch again. Watch it again. Maybe I'm a little too harsh, but the the consensus is sort of like okay, the it peaks at the end of the second one. Yeah. Um, so I got that too. So that's why I didn't watch the third he, one. He uh, he waits until their mother dies, and then he kills his brother. Yeah. Ooh. Just couldn't trust him. Really? Well, of course. I mean, he's a liability. He could destroy the whole family. Yeah, he went from this. Well, his his brother contributed to an assassination attempt on on him and he, I, yeah. his family. Exactly. He's put in this impossible place. Yeah, exactly. So Fredo is like, I don't know what I was doing. You know, and we never right. know if he actually knew. You know, if he was actually getting right, like well, feeling. You have you have these there are there are archetypes, right? You have the the brother who's operating from this id and doing it unconsciously in fredo he's banging all the broads yeah he's drinking he's partying he's the younger brother who feels jilted and then he has this he confesses to to michael in the second one uh that he felt passed over because he's the older brother yeah he's the older brother so, so. Just all of this freudian this great yeah. ah, greek freudian just super intense stuff and it just so dark and you know he uh Coppola, Coppola uh, fought for that soundtrack too. They were gonna not release it. They were they they insisted on a different soundtrack. The studio or whoever it was, the producers. I don't know all the exact details, but and he just said no. This is the soundtrack. No, that soundtrack this is, is the soundtrack. necessary. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I mean, as soon as you hear it, you just no. like, the whole movie comes flooding back into your brain. Exactly. It's no, it's amazing. Best. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So good. I'm gonna so learn that on guitar. <laughs> you should do. Yeah, it's so iconic. Um, where did you watch it? You just watch it at home. So I had um, this projector in Portland. And oh. So I was watching. I was living like a king over there. Um, yeah, I had an amazing place in Portland. Something you can't get in New York for that for that price <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Welcome back to the. Oh, the, so sad. The little dungeon. So sad looking at the market here and realizing that I can barely have a room in a shitty neighborhood for the amount of pay, it's money the, that I was paying. The rent, the rent is too goddamn high, that's for sure. There's no... But it's that same thing we're talking about. It's that, it's that immigrant, immigrant struggle. People, Everybody wants to be here. Every student, you know, not every student, Everyone. but people come and they want to... It's that hustle and you got to Amazon move. wants to come here. No, <laughs> no, no. We, 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 we got, kicked them out. We got, we, got rid of, we got rid of Amazon. I, don't, I had nothing to do with it. I... I have mixed feelings about that one. No, uh, I, I had very strong feelings as a lifelong New Yorker. Well, tell, so tell me about that. I had the feeling that I didn't want them to come. As many corporations as we have here, Amazon coming to Long Island City to push all these people out. And honestly, I know that a lot of people have been pushed out already. <laughs> so what difference is it? But that's a pretty it's a pretty big difference. They were, t- you know. But they were yeah, just as 25,000 jobs, six-figure like, jobs. No, I get that. But, but no, no, but, I, no, but I'm, I'm telling you, that, that, would, that would have displaced a lot of people. A lot. That would have changed so much of, of the complexion of all of Queens. Yeah, exactly. Never mind Williamsburg and no. the Brooklyn and Greenpoint. The rest of it, it all would have changed. And those places are already like going, undergoing this incredible gentrification. Yeah, so yeah. Long Island City is a place that I've been wanting to live in for a while. And I haven't been able to, been able to move in. And so when I saw that Amazon was coming, I was like, definitely can't go now. <laughs> but then when I when I heard the news that they're not coming, I was like, yes. 
I felt the same way. Bud. Yeah, I was in <laughs> I was in Costa Rica, and I'm like, oh my god, holy cow. Amazon is not going to New York. What? That that combined with the L train continuing to run. Oh yes. Maybe go, oh, 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 oh it, things are things are coming up our way. Wow, New York <laughs> is are, doing well. Yeah, you know? I mean it might take you four hours to get to from uh from uh the Lower East Side to Bushwick, but you're gonna get there. You're gonna be all right. I was I was really concerned about the L train. I, I don't even live in Williamsburg. I was like, oh, but I will well, Williamsburg. Change, yeah, but it, it would have changed. It would have changed everything. People would have moved up here. I'm starting to see a lot more people who look like they're trying to dress like Bob Dylan in the seventies <laughs> up here. I'm going like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> got the bell bottom pants. I don't know what they're doing. And they yeah. got these, this this facial hair. It's a certain look. I don't know. Yeah, one of my first times in uh, Williamsburg. I saw like three different people with bell bottoms, men and women. I was like, oh, yep, yep. I'm here. Cool. <laughs> $400 bell bottoms. That's cool. I, mean, I don't know. It's an easy thing to pick on. It's a cliche. I, I like Williamsburg. I like the whole, it's a place that exists. It's weird. It's it's like you hear more French spoken on the streets than, than Spanish down there. It's, yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird scene. Every, yeah. All the tourists, everybody goes there. That's where they want to be. Oh, I love Williamsburg. It has my favorite music venues, yeah. restaurants. Oh, there's some great rooftops. bars down there. Yeah, they have this wicked. Brazilian place, amazing Brazilian place. Oof. Call it out. What is it? I don't even know the name, but it's like a Brazilian <laughs> steakhouse. And they- there's one. Yeah, there's one like that's like an Argentinian one that I go to. It's right <laughs> off one of the stops, one of the first L L stops coming into Brooklyn. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so okay, all right. So we're we're winding down. This has been a great one. We're not we're not done quite yet. Uh, I learned you're a Christian. You just became an American citizen. You're clearly a Trump voter. What's that <laughs> no. Like? I'm just kidding. I'm, no, no, no. I'm just I'm just teasing. Couldn't let you finish. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, and you just watched The Godfather. You're mm-hmm. reading. You're reading uh, C.S. Lewis. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, this is why the concept for this podcast it makes me so pleased because I think when you when you open up the Pandora's box. I think the first thing somebody mentions is like a key to talk about different stuff that they get into. And there's all a, there's a certain amount of logic where one thing bounces you to the next thing. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully other people feel the same way. So what's uh, in terms of your Harry Potter fandom, bringing it full circle, uh, you know, are you, have you gone to see the play? Would you ever go do that? Are you, uh, I mean, how diehard a fan are you? <laughs> I am I'm a big fan, but I, for example, I haven't seen the, the second Fantastic Beasts movie, and I don't think I will. I might. Um, I haven't heard the best things about that series, and and um, I don't know. I might go see the play. I heard it's really good. Yeah, it's um, it's in two parts, right? So it's like a whole day affair. Yeah, it's like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Um, I think just J.K. Rowling needs to write some new stuff. <laughs> I love her, but yeah, yeah. Girl, you need you didn't go. <laughs> you need to go write some about some other character. But I understand, you know, it's like a character she loves, a series she loves, and and she wants to keep exploring it. You know, so I mean, at this point, it's it's well. It's a part beyond, of her. <laughs> yeah, it's well beyond one. Just person's. a part of her. There's yeah. like a whole online world dedicated to Harry Potter called Pottermore, <laughs> and she, I'm I'm not kidding. She's got this whole website dedicated to um the background of different characters like extra things that you might not even care to know and um that's how deep she is into it she is like 
But I, she's also I'm a obsessed. billionaire, right? She's a billionaire. Ah, it, can you imagine this person <laughs> has conceived of a character and writes a novel and is rejected? This is such a... Love the story. I love it. I love, I love it. it. Amazing. Love it. We're all world builders. You're, <laughs> we're all muscling... You're a New Yorker. Yeah. You, you're, you're Dominican, <laughs> so you get it. There's, we're all kind of muscling through our world. Yeah. wrestling with the world that that's presented to us and there is something beautiful about the creators who step aside i mean mario puzo uh, puzo whatever his name is the guy who wrote the godfather you, you there's something about the artistic um creative act that's so beautiful you just create this not pure but this it's just this like lever in a way right it gives you a a, a fulcrum like, like a point to kind of like leverage against the real world yeah, and, but also I think we respect artists because we understand that we're living now in a world that is hy- hyper mediated. Everything in the world we inhabit is like, what's real? Yes, you know, exactly. You, yeah, you I agree with that completely. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> we we better damn well respect the person who can create a coherent vision of a world. That's a very very powerful skill. This is why I admire filmmakers and. Uh, fellow writers and all of the rest of it and why yeah. I've aspired to be right. And even uh, to create a podcast is something where you... That's why uh, you're admirable. Uh, well, you you're know, able so to do nice. all these you're things. You're very sweet. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I'm just trying to... But I'm not I'm not alone, right? Yeah. It's, it's, we live in such a... We live in like in an age of no excuses too, right? Like it's so... The equipment, it's not that much. It's accessible. It's accessible. I love the accessibility that we have. And um, what New York is for me is like accessibility to people most of all. Um, people like Kevin and other writers who are out there and they're doing their thing and they're inspirational. I get inspired by New Yorkers all the time. I 100%. new and old. Yeah, brand new to the city or been here for a while, and you know they always have something awesome to share with me and part of themselves that I would have never gotten anywhere else. I would almost tell. This is maybe sound like we're fetishizing the city a little here. But I mean, <laughs> a little no, I've bit. always wanted to live here since I was a, a teenager or even younger. And I would almost, I just think it's such an important thing, even just for people, people of any kind of means whatsoever. Even if you, you have a job that lets you go, if you're an American or even not, if you're somebody who can travel, you know, come here for a month. It's pretty awesome. It's not the only city in the world that has that to offer, too. Like, I love traveling. I I, I love London. That's Me too. great. Time. <laughs> There's so many fun things to do. Yeah, we're, I think we're 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 uh, explorers, and uh, yeah, so we're. I live in London way. too. Even yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm gonna go to London, and uh, I'm gonna go see one of my favorite bands. Have you ever heard of uh, Dead Can Dance? No. I'll turn you on to Dead Can Dance. They're, oh, they're cool. like, oh yeah, they're they're gonna be doing doing two shows in London, and I've never seen them. I've been listening to them since I was like. 14 years old and i saw they put tickets nice. on sale they're not coming to the the united states because oh, of no. trump yeah <laughs> oh really orange man bad i don't know why i don't know oh, why yeah, that's man. what they said no but i'm but it's like but they're based in london they've always sort of been around well i think they live british bands are also awesome i am a big fan yeah. I, my, one of my favorite bands is arctic monkeys and uh-huh. they're based in the uk um yeah, I think I belong there for a little bit at least. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's not as it's not as inaccessible as you'd think, right? If you've got a couple of weeks or even a month, uh, you yep. just rent a room, and all the museums are free once you're there, and the prices aren't that much more uh, intense than New York. You just got to get a place to sl- uh, to sleep at night. Yeah, you're an ex Londoner. 
I mean, I lived there for I lived there for a year, and my my screenwriting partner is still over in London, and so I feel like I'm I'm in touch. You're over connected. There. I'm still connected, even though I, you know I don't know. We'll see. It's gonna be fun to go and visit again. I love that town. It's such a it's such a an easy town to move around into, especially now. Even though you're not supposed to say this, but even now with Uber and the ride sharing, although there's a lot of politics over there around that, a lot of the the ah. hip people there are like, I don't use, I don't use Uber. I don't need. Well, no, no, they just they use they use. Uh, I think they use the black. It said like a union thing. I do like dipping my toe periodically into their politics over there. Not not in any meaningful yeah. way, but just to like. You just turn the BBC on for an afternoon and you go, again, talk about world building, right? Like what we're concerned with, they're they're concerned with Trump and all the rest, but like then they have their own concerns. They have their own and stuff, yeah. It's crazy. You just wow, yeah. step into like two hours of their media and it's... Uh, it's really interesting. Hearing, yeah, you're hearing all these weird names and political parties and what's at stake and this and that. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's yeah, cool traveling town. is like, traveling is like you get to step into other people's little worlds. Um, just even traveling in the U.S. alone, you get to see a whole new world that you haven't before. That's that's one of the best things about the U.S. Yeah, we have so many of those. Denver, it's not like yes. San Francisco. It's not like Portland. It's not like Austin. It's not like many. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I've been wanting to go to um, New Orleans for a while. <laughs> I've heard many great things about it. <laughs> Nolans, New Orleans. Nolans, yeah. I've never been. I. You know what would, would would be fun? I've thought about this trip at some point. Would be to take the train down to new orleans from here or to fly and then take the train back because i actually think you can you can take the train the all amtrak the way down. yeah it, it might cool. take you three days but yeah that'd be cool and yeah. maybe maybe you could stop along the way somewhere well, yeah you stop like in atlanta or something yeah and yeah maybe stay overnight make ATL. a real yeah make a real <laughs> adventure out of it that would be wicked cool well vanessa thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about Thank you so harry much. potter do you have anything else you're dying to say? Where, where can people find you? you um, Want to be found? So right now, I don't have social media. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is your co-pilot. <laughs> um, so um, on Instagram, you can find me at uh, Vanessa Wolf. And then, um, well... I would have to reactivate it if I want you guys to find me. Um, <laughs> it sounds like Vanessa didn't want to be found. <laughs> and then I have a website, but I'm working on it. So, but where's it gonna where's it gonna be? Because this thing will be uh, evergreen. VanessaWolf.com. And that's two S's and then W L F E dot com. Yeah. And I'll yeah. put it in the show notes too. Yes. So, it'll be, so you uh, can find me there. You can probably see my uh, poems and ramblings and uh, <laughs> some of my work. <laughs> Tremendous. Thanks so much for coming on. I hope you come back sometime. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Fantastic. Get this. Getthispodcast.com. Podcast about the uh, things people love. Thanks again. Thank you.